Good morning, and peace be with you. We uh, have gone to having our council uh, do the announcements on Sundays so that you get a chance to see them and they get a chance to speak to you directly. And so um, this morning, actually, we're going to have Ashley um, do the announcements. So thank you, Ashley. Take it away. Good morning. Good morning. So good to see everyone this morning. Couple of announcements. So this month, October, uh, we're going to give our donations to our sister church, Victory Outreach, to help support their Harvest Festival that they're going to hold um, here at, in our parking lot. It's going to be open to the community. So we'll be able to uh, support them giving candy or just financial support so they can purchase food and games and things like that. Um, Tuesday this week, we still have our sit and be fit, uh, 10 o'clock. Everyone is welcome to join us for that. And let's see, we have, um, I'm holding a prayer meeting this Wednesday, 11 a.m. And that is open for everyone who wants to come pray for our church and for each other's needs. Our council meeting is this Saturday, 9.30. Everyone's welcome to join us for that as well. Some upcoming events. Reformation Day, we're going to celebrate on Sunday, October 30th. You want to make sure and wear your red for that. And then All Saints Day, we're going to celebrate on Sunday, November 6th. And I think that's about it. Oh, um, our altar flowers this morning, beautiful. Thank you, Karen. And they are given by Marlis to celebrate her great-grandchild, uh, Brinlin, Brinley's, Brinley? Brinley. Okay, and that's about it. Amen. Okay, Tim, take it away.
please stand if you're able. <clears throat> we come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. 
Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, by your grace hear the prayers of your church. Grant that those things which we ask in faith we may receive through your bountiful mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading is taken from the book of Habakkuk. Hope I said that right. <laughs> chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this can be found on page 1456 in the Pew Bible. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4, and 2, 1 through 4. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end, and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. 
but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. We will read Psalm 62 responsibly. It's printed on page 6 in your bulletin. Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love, and you reward everyone according to what they have done. The next reading is taken from the second book of Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, and this can be found on page 1852 in the Pew Bible. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now also lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching and faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel this morning comes from St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 1 through 10, and can be found on page 1626 in your pew Bible. Luke records, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, mustard seed you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? And after that, you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. 
Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be upon you. Amen. As we come to today's gospel, we have just finished a series of stories that, that Jesus told to illustrate his teachings. There was the uh, trio, the grand trio of the lost and the found, lost and found parables. You'll remember the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And then there was the following week, the story of the dishonest steward, the crook who was shrewd. And then just last week, we heard the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Now, Jesus was teaching the crowds. They were listening in with these stories, but he was also showing his apostles how they would also teach someday. And although the apostles were not ready to proclaim his teachings, Jesus knew that the day would come to send them into all nations to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name. He would pour out the Holy Spirit on them, and they would proclaim his teachings. And his gospel, in his gospel this morning, Jesus had a warning for the disciples and all, all people who teach in his name. The warning was this. He said to his disciples and to those like me standing before you, this warning, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Luke 17, verses 1 through 2. And with these words, Jesus warns. He warns the disciples to teach carefully. As the word of God spread, it would bring both old and young into the church. And the Holy Spirit can work faith in anyone at any age. Thus, the little ones in the faith might be young in years, or they may have lived many decades before conversion. In either case, their faith is young, and their faith is tender, it's fragile, and it's easily bruised. And the devil and the world 
and their own sinful nature will fight to take them back into unbelief. And what a tragedy it would be if even the leaders of the church taught in a way that harmed their faith. And that is what Jesus is talking about when he speaks of causing one of these little ones to sin. And there are innumerable ways to cause hearts to stumble. But these ways, they generally fall into, into two categories. One category of false teaching increases false guilt and false despair. One category of false teaching increases false guilt and causes despair. The other category decreases the strength of the law, and so it gives a false sense of confidence. Both of these categories teach that keeping the law in some way contributes to salvation, and we know that that is false. Keeping the law in some way contributes to salvation. We know that is false. Now, examples of weakening the law abound in this world. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'll just tell you. The world justifies murder when it teaches that a baby can be an inconvenience and it is okay to murder it before it is born in order to avoid that inconvenience. It's as if in the garden when Satan said, did God really say you can't eat of this tree? It's another form of saying, did God really say you can't murder babies in the womb? And the answer is yes. He said you cannot do that. It's murder. The world now teaches that intimate physical contact between two people is simply a form of recreational activity. If two people want to live together, to be together for a while, well, a marriage license is just a piece of paper, right? Now, people who live in this culture of weakened morality, they think that they are pretty good, pretty decent, and upright people who really have no need for a Savior. They think this because false teachers have lied about the severity of the law. And sadly, we have many in the church, progressive Christian churches. We have some of those in the Lutheran Church, through the ELCA, for example, who go along with the world's lies. They rationalize that the teachings of Jesus were for the people in the first century. 
and that somehow we now live in more modern times and somehow we are more wise and more sophisticated. And the lie that continues to go on is that those who wish to get along in the world's lies even suggest, they even suggest this, that if Jesus were to make his presence known today, he would agree with the morality of the times. They teach this to their congregations, and so they cause many to stumble into pagan unbelief. These are the ones that are described. These are the ones who cause the little ones to stumble into sin by nullifying the law. And these pastors and these congregations need to repent now. Those of us who are more faithful in our respect for God's law certainly disagree with this kind of thinking. We have a healthy respect for the law of God. The Bible, we believe, is God's Word. And therefore, the law that we find in the Bible is God's law. Amen? And the problem that we in the conservative church have is that we are sometimes so interested in getting the law just right that we forget to tell people about Jesus. We get the law right, and we teach it as powerfully as we can, but then we forget to teach the comforting words of forgiveness. In this way, we lay a burden of guilt on people without showing them how God has removed that guilt through Jesus Christ. The rebellious soul, the one that is feeling pinged by the law, he's feeling tormented from the pulpit, that rebellious soul will rightly accuse us of being hypocrites and Pharisees and ignore our message. Now, on the other hand, the tender soul will collapse into despair under the burden of guilt. In either case, we have still caused them to stumble into sin by proclaiming the sternness of the law without giving the hope of the gospel. We have still earned a millstone for our necks. Without Jesus, without Jesus, there are two approaches to salvation. Either we delude ourselves into thinking we have kept the law, or we recognize our lost and sinful condition, and then we collapse into despair and give up. Now, with Jesus, there is another way 
The way that Jesus described in the next couple of verses, Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 17, 3 through 4, he said, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, then rebuke him. And if he repents, then forgive him. And if he sins against you seven more times in the day, and he turns to you seven more times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now here Jesus teaches the proper balance between law and gospel. And when we notice that our brother has sinned, we approach him in love and we help him to deal with the sin. And then, when he repents, we forgive. Jesus even instructs us to do this seven times a day, if need be. The number seven in this context is a number symbolizing completeness. In this context, though, it does not mean that when we count seven sins in a day that we stop forgiving, right? Instead, it teaches us that we are to forgive completely. That is, we never stop forgiving the repentant sinner. And even when we withhold forgiveness because a sinner refuses to repent, We do so in the hope that the sinner will repent and receive forgiveness. In this process of forgiving others, we follow the example of Paul, who wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, or in some versions, I am the chief of all sinners, Paul said. And it is here that Paul rebukes sin by confessing his own sin and pointing to Jesus as his Savior. So when we rebuke sin, we can confess that we are fellow sinners and we know the one who forgives. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And when we rebuke sin, we follow the teaching of Jesus when he said, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to get the speck that is in your brother's eye. Luke 6, 42. It is when we confess our own sins and our own need for a Savior and for forgiveness, that we can honestly rebuke the sin of others and proclaim the forgiveness of sins to them in Jesus' name. Now, if you are honest, if I am honest, you will readily admit this, that this rebuking and forgiving is not something that we can do on our own. Amen? Can't do it on our own. It's not natural. Our self-centered, sinful nature seeks to punish instead of forgive. The goal of our rebuke is not loving aid, but conquering pride. 
We often rebuke someone in order to demonstrate that we are better than they are. When the disciples heard Jesus' teaching, they also recognized that they were not up to the task. When they said to the Lord, increase our faith, their request suggests that they thought a stronger faith would enable them to obey the Lord's teachings. And to that, the Lord replied with an answer that indicates that it's not the size of the faith, but the object of the faith that is important. For the Lord said this, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey. With the image of the tiny mustard seed, Jesus taught that even the smallest faith accomplishes remarkable things. How? Well, that's because it is not the faith in of it itself that accomplishes these things. It's not the faith that accomplishes these things. It is the almighty power of God in whom even the smallest faith believes that accomplishes these things. It is not the greatness of the faith that uproots the plants and plants the tree. It is the power of God that uproots and plants the tree. Thus, when it is God's will to replant trees, he can work through even the smallest faith to command the trees to grow in the seed. It is not our faith that rescues a wayward child. It is not our faith that fixes a troubled relationship. It is not our faith that fixes those things that we are in turmoil about. It is not our faith that rescues someone who we love that may have died without what we knew was a faith that saves them. It is not our faith that does that. It is the faith in the one who has the power. It's his power that does that. The final verse in today's gospel deal with the temptation that can come along when God does great things through our tiny little faith. It is very easy to believe that we deserve some sort of special recognition because God has done such great things in our presence, maybe answered our prayers in the affirmative. And after Jesus ascended into heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit upon these apostles, they healed the sick, and they drove out demons, and the lame walked, and even the dead lived again, that the devil would use these great things to tempt the apostles into thinking somehow they were great. And at the end of today's gospel, we heard Jesus say, so you also... When you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. When God does some great work through us, we should not wait around expecting him to applaud. Even when our accomplishments are outstanding, we really deserve no congratulations. Congratulations. 
We are merely doing our duty. And Jesus gives this teaching to the apostles and to us so that when he does some great work in us or through us, that we will not give in to temptation to take credit for the work to ourselves. Jesus condemned the hypocrites who do their work so that they may be praised by others. His words are chilling when he proclaimed this, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. With these words he taught that they have all the reward that they will get in this life. And that means that there is no reward for them in the next. Instead of looking to praise yourself, look to Jesus on the cross. It is there that you will see that God has already given you everything. You've been baptized into his death and resurrection. That you no longer require recognition based on the successes he places, that he places in your life. Instead of coveting praise from others, you rest on Jesus' service for you as he took your sin, as he took your guilt, and as he took your death to himself. And he has prepared the eternal clothing of his righteousness for you because the Holy Spirit has placed you in Christ. His humble service is the object of your faith. And he gives his body and his blood to you at the table that he sets for you. And it is in this meal that he gives you forgiveness. He gives you life. He gives you salvation and the strength to go about doing your Christian duty as God's humble servant, that is, loving God and loving your neighbor in the various vocations that he has put you in. It is in Jesus Christ that we already have all things. We have forgiveness. We have salvation. We have eternal life. And that is already yours in him. And you receive all this now by faith, even if that faith is very, very small. And when you leave this world, you will receive it all by sight as you are face to face with Jesus. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Was great.
peace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the Please stand if you're able. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
First of all, thank you, Pastor, for a hard sermon. This will be a hard prayer. And um, what Ashley read, the lamentation of Habakkuk's been in my mind all week when I wrote this. So that's where it comes from. How long? As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for all of our many blessings, including the nation within which we live, our families, friends, the food, clothing, and shelter we so often take for granted, and our constitutional freedoms that so many have fought and died to protect and maintain since our founding, which you ordained. We pray for your continued protection against those who would destroy our nation's freedoms, whether from inside or outside our country's government and borders. Lord in heaven, we pray for our nation's leaders and government representatives. Please grant them clear minds and selfless purposes in their actions and decisions, and that they would turn from self-centeredness and greed for power toward you, Holy Father and your precepts for our peaceful lives. Holy Father, we pray for all of our citizens who have been impacted by the devastating power of Hurricane Ian. We are humbled by the power of your creation and the natural forces you control. We witness firsthand through our modern technology the futility of our efforts to stand against such power and ask that you calm this storm and forgive our arrogance when we believe that we can control what you have ordained. We ask for your protection for all those who are providing emergency assistance to those in distress. We also pray for peaceful hearts for those who have lost loved ones, those who struggle to find family and friends who are missing, and for those who face the reality of the loss of homes and treasured possessions. You told us not to place our faith and love into material wealth because it can be gone in an instant. You always tell the truth. We should know that by now, and we see it before our eyes in real time. Lord, help us to learn this hard lesson <clears throat> and turn to you and the saving grace of your son, Jesus, who is our treasure above all else. Dear Lord, we pray for the safety of law enforcement officers throughout the United States who are now frequently under attack by those driven by evil forces. We pray for wisdom for our judges and judicial leaders throughout the nation who have lost sight of the need for law and order in our society. Guide them to focus on the needs of peaceful society rather than their own personal political careers and distorted ideologies. You already know, Holy Father, the groans of your children, both here in the United States and around the world. <clears throat> we hurt beyond our ability to describe the pain. We don't know why you have given Satan dominion over the earth. Our sins against you put us out here rather than in your garden, and it is often hard to see your light. Thank you for our Savior, your only Son, Jesus, and for the Holy Spirit who points us to your light when we get lost, as we so often are. Thank you for the hope you provide that we will not suffer under Satan's reign for long, though it often feels that way. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading our hearts and minds to perceive the truth in a world filled with sin, lies, deceit, and hate. Guide us to know what leaders we should choose to govern us, to regulate us, and to judge us. We pray that should we choose poorly, that you would turn our bad decisions to good, as you always have. We pray for the safety of all of our military members. Please shield them from all harm, keep their service to our country honorable, and bring them home from their duties safely. Holy Spirit, we pray with all of our might for those who face broken hearts in broken relationships, those who have felt the heavy burden of the death of close friends and loved ones, that you would allow us to help mend their hearts and bring comfort, and that you would plead in our stead to God Almighty for those who did not know Jesus as their Savior. Please grant mercy. Holy Father, Satan has done much to remove joy from our lives. We are now blind to goodness. Evil is everywhere. Please open our eyes, and especially those of our children, who are often so depressed that they take their own lives, or take drugs to self-medicate and die from poison disguised as candy or other things. Please help us protect all of our children, those born and unborn, from those who seek to harm them. Dear Lord, we've created many problems for ourselves through our sins against you. We either act poorly or don't act with goodness. We have removed you from our society wherever possible and wonder why it feels like hell, where Satan rules freely. It is no mystery to your faithful. We come and please come and get us. Bring us back, for we have strayed far. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? <clears throat> Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. His words are true. God's law is perfect, and his grace is more than sufficient. This meal has been prepared for all who believe to impart his grace, to rescue from you from sin, death, and the devil. If that is your profession of faith, and I heard you, then come. The table is prepared, and the ushers will bring you forward.
It was a hard teaching today. Uh, I had a lot of help with it. And it may be the closest I've gotten to uh, proclaiming rightly the law and the gospel together. And I'm at risk right now of saying something that may uh, completely mess that up. But here I go. This last week was really rough. Rough as a, a world, as a nation, and as a family here in this church. Lots of trials, lots of questions. And so, during the week, we have prayers. We have a prayer list, and people call in with prayers. And, and, and you're being prayed for by many people in this congregation, but even more importantly, you're being prayed over by Jesus himself. And on the back of our bulletin is uh, the lyrics to the last song. And, and I include them there for you just to read because it's a beautiful song of being prayed over in the powerful name of Jesus. And I pray it brings you comfort because that's what that, the power is in Jesus and his name. And that's why we don't take it in vain. So now I just kind of mixed uh, law and gospel there, so forgive me, uh, Reverend Dr. Seafelt, wherever you are right now for doing that. You taught me better, but I needed to share that with you, that this is comfort, and so as you listen, may you find comfort. And now the benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May he look on you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I pray for your healing. The circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles over. Just
circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee In Jesus' name I pray that a breakthrough Would happen today I pray miracles over your life In Jesus' name